A vision of our direct interconnection with the universe, we will not survive. If we do not awaken to our sacred interdependent nature, we will simply not know that when we allow the rainforests to burn, it is as if we are burning our own lungs, that when we pollute the sea with nuclear waste, we are lacing our own veins with poison, that when we refuse to stop the torture in prisons all over the world, to intervene in Bosnia, or to feed the starving in Asia, Africa, or Hate Street, we are torturing, killing, and starving ourselves, not figuratively, not poetically, but literally. When Teilhard de Chardin speaks of the choice between suicide and adoration, between a male psychotic vision that is going to drive the world into final darkness, or between an opening to the feminizing, liberal, ecstatic energies of the divinized psyche, he is not referring to some gorgeous kind of emotionalism, but to the highest means of opening to the sacred truths of reality, that we must arm ourselves with love and clarity and protect our world. The tragic imbalance of the masculine has brought humankind then to the point of disaster. And unless we recover the feminine powers of the psyche, the powers of intuition, patience, reverence for nature, and knowledge of the holy unity of things, and marry in our depths these powers with the masculine energies of rule, reason, passion for order and control, life on the planet will end. This sacred marriage of the masculine with the feminine has to take place in all our hearts and minds, whether we are male or female. The rich and organic integration it alone can furnish is the goal of human life. It is a marriage the universe itself witnesses, as can be heard in the following miraculous verses from Janeshwa's The Nectar of Self-Awareness. This great Sanskrit poem celebrates the union of Shiva and Shakti, and their creation through that union of the entire universe. Jnaneshwa makes it clear that this marriage of masculine and feminine that must take place in our psyche is already taking place in the entire universe around us, that the universe wouldn't exist at all without that endlessly repeated fusion and union. The universe is, in fact, the constantly reborn child of the lovemaking of the father and mother, Shiva and Shakti, who at all moments dance in and out of and merge with each other's being with divine complexity, subtlety, passion and ecstatic humour. I honour the God and Goddess, the eternal parents of the universe. The lover out of boundless love takes the form of the beloved. What beauty! Both are made of the same nectar and share the same food. Out of supreme love, they swallow each other up, but separate again for the joy of being two. They sit together in the same place, both wearing a garment of light. From the beginning of time, they have been together, reveling in their own supreme love. The difference they created to enjoy this world had one glimpse of their intimacy and could not help but merge back into the bliss found in their union. Without the God there is no Goddess, and without the Goddess there is no God. How sweet is their love! The entire universe is too small to contain them, yet they live happily in the tiniest particle.
the subtlety and message of this poem in your minds now as I try and sketch the evolutionary history of humanity. I think that this history can be seen in basically three stages, beginning with a matriarchal stage. It isn't mere romanticization to describe this stage as one in which humankind was one with nature, knew and loved and relied on the mother and listened naturally and simply to her astonishing mystical guidance that permeated life and nature. The Australian Aborigines are messengers to us from this stage, and as Robert Lawler writes of them in his great book, Voices of the First Day, for them, as perhaps for no other culture, the earth is the centre of the intelligence of creation, a symbol and memory of primordial dreaming, a receptacle of all seeds, cosmic, metaphysical and biological, the nurturer of all life. Both